You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I'm Tegan, I help connect businesses with tech talent and today I'm your host. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Sebastian, Sazad and Nicholas to discuss the topic of adapting your management style to suit your team. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Sebastian, would you like to kick us off? Sure thing. Uh, my name is Sebastian Nilsson. Uh, I work at Free Trade. Uh, we're trying to get everyone in the world investing. Uh, my job is to build uh, the Swedish part of the company, and it's it's quite exciting times for us. Fantastic. And Sazad, we'll come to you next. <clears throat> yes, uh, I'm Sazad, and I'm the engineering manager for a company called Kambi. I'm not sure if you have heard about it. Uh, we are one of the leading company within sport baiting and I have joined them quite recently and I'm responsible in their bait offer business unit. Thank you for um, inviting me to this podcast. It's our pleasure, Sazad. It's our pleasure. And Nicholas. Yes. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm uh, Nicholas Arben. I'm a CTO at uh, BookBeat and I think most Swedish listeners at least will know we do audiobooks and ebooks on a, as a subscription service. Uh, I've been at BookBeat since uh, 2015 and uh, I still try to do very much active development uh, in, well, while also trying to be a leader. I've uh, been coding professionally for around 15-16 years. Brilliant. What fantastic introductions. So now that we've established a context to each of you, let's move on to the topic in focus. Now, you all have a question or statement on adapting your management style to suit your team. As usual for our listeners, I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question or statement and the reason behind it. Each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on said situation. So let's start with Sebastian. And Sebastian, your question was, what can a manager do to widen their available styles of management if you could just elaborate on this a little bit further for me sure so the title of the podcast is you know adapting your management style to the best uh, to best suit your team and that indicates that you can adapt your management style right and that means that there's many different uh, situations uh, where you could uh, need to adapt to the team, you know, switching companies, different phases of, of the team or or whatever. So the question is, there might be some um, leaders out there who are extra good at managing in one certain type of scenario or or a few of them. So how how can a manager go about to sort of widen their range and handle more of these uh, scenarios, both the maybe more the, the difficult ones than the easy ones? Fantastic explanation. I think that definitely um, sets some, you know, foundation there for for I think there'll be some counter responses um, and some definitely for the same thing as you. So, Nicholas, what's your take on this? I think uh, maybe talking about style, I'd say that I think it's important as a leader to to be true to yourself and try to lead from who you are and what you believe in. Uh, but in regards to overall st- style, you can always turn knobs up and down um, in uh, you know how much you want to push, how much uh, you want to energize the team, or if it's more supportive, if you need to take a step back. 
Uh, and it's also really good to look at other leaders, both junior and senior leaders, maybe in your organization or, or in um, around you where you can find and see, you know, what kind of tips and tricks they use to uh, sort out different situations, uh, especially, you know, trying to convey, you know, what is important and why are we doing this? Because there are so many ways to uh, stress that to a team. Fantastic. I definitely agree. I think for sure the kind of best route to management is if you're lucky to if you're lucky enough to have, you know, been able to work under numerous managers to take the the kind of good and bad parts of each and kind of ensure that you steer away from the bad parts and you implement the good parts. So I think you definitely make a fantastic point there, Nicholas. Sazad, what's your take on this? Yeah, I, I totally agree with uh, what Nicholas said. I think like fine tuning is the key here, right? So <clears throat> when you sort of like meet your team, then you need to understand like, you know, uh, how, how should you adapt your management style and based on like the team's uh, uh, like uh, the behavior, like uh, what what are the problem areas that you need to focus on. So you always, always need to fine tune your management style and if it is needed to be widened up, your uh, management uh, strategy then it has to be done uh, sometimes it can be like you know taken some insight from other managers maybe like uh, the, uh, the my managers and so on so you always can take like uh, inputs from other stakeholders um, maybe like uh, people from the um, uh, the team members and so on so it's always like you know you can take insights uh, from different directions and so on Brilliant. I think you're coming from a, a a very, you know, a very good standpoint there, more of an understanding point where you need to, you know, be more considerate of of the whole team's feelings, really, and think how your actions may, you know, the, the repercussion it could have on the wider team. Fantastic. I think you both make brilliant points. Sebastian, how do you feel just as a summary on that? Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. The The things that I had in mind that maybe was like good good ways to get to the core of of how to do this is of course the obvious ones to uh, uh, you know read or or watch a presentation on different companies that has been different phases you know facebook they're they're struggling to innovate while maybe smaller companies are more uh, like they know what the goal is to be feature complete before they can start innovating and exposing yourself to these kind of different um, scenarios would be sorry one way to do it um, but yeah these are all good good versions uh, to to sort of uh, get uh, get a wider array of, of experiences okay great and just as kind of a, a, a side note on that then nicholas mentioned about kind of the idea of turning a knob up you know up on the on the management side of things or turning it down when necessary sebastian when do you think this is the case because often turning the knob up on management style can be seen as micromanagement so when does it kind of reach this point yeah i would say actually micromanagement itself is one of the knobs that sometimes is needed uh, so there, there's sort of some known uh, theories around different stages of a team uh, and in the beginning when the teams are sort of uh, forming uh, they they're quite good at self-organizing but then when they start to f everyone tries to find their the role in the team 
and it becomes a little bit more uh, conflicts and things in the company or in the team, then you need to maybe go in and actually start this micromanagement. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of knobs to turn around depending on uh, the stage of the team, the stage of the company and the stage of the individual. Perfect, thank you. And Nicholas, I feel that you may have a response to this. Yeah, it's uh, just micromanagement, as you say, Sebastian, but it's a, it's a very loaded word and it comes with a, a lot of negative kind of uh, feelings and thoughts about it. But um, another way of saying it is, you know, helping the team out and sometimes maybe a more junior or a newer team needs to, you know, be led. And uh, that's uh, it becomes micromanagement is when it's not needed anymore, the help, I think. Absolutely, and essentially guiding the team is what you're there to do as a leader. So Zad, how do you feel about this? Yeah, I think like uh, as uh, Niklas has said, like micromanagement is sometimes maybe like a negative word, but uh, in some like, you know, uh, team culture, micromanagement is expected and like the team is actually looking for it uh, than, uh, than uh, in some like, you know, cultural aspect and so on. So I come from a different culture and uh, when I was working in my home country, uh, in some cases, micromanagement was really super needed. I mean, like the team members are often like, you know, looking for lots of engagement, lots of like, you know, stepping in uh, from the managers so that the team can be all functional. But when it comes to a different work culture, then probably it is regarded at most as a uh, like a micromanagement and then nobody is so much uh, appreciating it. But again, like, you know, depending on the team's uh, maturity and like, you know, how how senior the people in the team are, so depending on that. So it's often, often you have to find in yourself, like how much you want to manage them, how you want to step back and step in and so on. Fantastic. I completely agree with all the points making, you know, made above. Um, I think definitely one thing for us to consider as well is, you know, we're kind of talking about working and, and managing and, and leading a team but a team could essentially be uh, they could have an, have an agile way of working it could be a cross-functional team the term a team could it's so varied it's it's such a wide term um so i think it's fantastic that we are all able to come from different standpoints because we are all working with a different team so zadad you just mentioned there obviously in different cultures and different communities and you know, some teams are more diverse. Some teams are very straightforward. Some teams are, you know, it's some teams are very equal. I think in terms of talking about a team, we need to bear in mind that a team can often mean different things to different people, um, which I think ties in nicely. So Zad, we'll move on to your question next, which is how to diagnose your team and then adapt accordingly. So if you could just kind of explain this a little bit further for me. Yeah, I think the questions is kind of like related to what Sebastian has uh, raised here. So, I mean, like when one manager is going to take over or like to take the responsibility of a new team, then basically like it's all about like, you know, diagnosing the team need, like, okay, what kind of team it is and how do you sort of like take input from different sources? Uh, one thing, of course, can be your observability or uh, you observe the team for a while and then you come to a conclusion but maybe you don't have that luxury to uh, sort of wait that far because you need to act as a manager, right? So uh, how sort of like in what ways uh, you can take those insights from different 
sources, different stakeholders, and then uh, you can adapt your management style uh, so that the team can be well performing and so on. Okay, brilliant. I'll come to you first, Nicholas. How do you feel about this? I think there are several ways to do it. Uh, it depends on the size of the team and like your position as, as a as a manager where you're at. If you're managing that team directly, or if you're having multiple sub teams, but obviously the the obvious way is to work with the team and see uh, and talk to them and obviously talk with stakeholders and see you know if, what they pay, their pain points are but need to have a very open mindset that everything is going to be tainted from the team and it's going to be tainted from the perspective of uh, the ones that are working with the, with the team and maybe feeling that they don't get enough attention from the team uh, so just trying to be very very open uh, when you do it and if, if you're in a position to maybe jump in and help and micromanage a little bit and just see uh, how the team is uh, working out you can do that uh, if you are, are having multiple teams I guess you know if you have somebody that you trust and you know are great with people you can obviously move move teams around and maybe you know put somebody into that team uh, that would help you uh, diagnose that team together with you uh, sometimes it's it's a little bit doesn't sound good, but sometimes teams are a little bit like trying to understand why code is not working. Uh, you'll set breakpoints and you'll try and see if I push this, what happens if I push there? And if you just do it a little bit, you can see like kind of what reactions you're getting. Uh, and everything always usually boils down to either communication or that uh, the, uh, the security, the team feels a very insecure team will have certain issues and a very uh, secure team will maybe do other things. Uh, but you can you can try and push and uh, see what happens a bit, almost like uh, live, live debugging. Yeah, no, I completely agree, Nicholas. And I think especially when trying to diagnose a team, we have a saying here at Evolution, which is seek to understand, which I think plays a huge part in, in diagnosing a team and trying to find, you know, certain people's strengths and where other people's weaknesses are, because essentially you want every member of your team playing to their strengths. That's where obviously your team is going to perform the best. Um, Sebastian, what's your take on this? Yeah, I think Nicholas. Uh, answered it brilliantly uh, I would try to sort of like look at the at the situation from uh, maybe a, a couple of different levels like number one uh, look at the company what stage is it in I think I mentioned that before uh, and then look at also the individuals so not only the team but the the, the overall situation uh, and then the indivi individuals what kind of personalities they have uh, and what stage uh, the team is in it's quite a like commonly adopted uh, theory about this uh, forming, storming, norming, performing uh, steps of a team. And you can probably assume that if you start uh, new in a team that it's sort of going back to the forming the first step of the of the of the theory, then uh, it can move quicker if the team is working well, but you're sort of starting all over again. So you will have to start to see what are the characteristics of the team? Uh, what are they? How are they behaving uh, as a team? Uh, and then, of course, uh, I think Nicholas said it the best to understand that there's going to be bias in the 
in the spoken feedback when you ask people and you will have to sort of use your own gut feeling to diagnose uh, the overall situation. Okay, nice. I think that's very, very relatable um, across kind of the board within managerial roles, to be honest. I think everybody at some point or another is going to kind of hit or come to an obstacle that they at the time seems like it's really hard to overcome. But I think when you do kind of speak to the team, see how they're feeling, see what the actual issue is. I think it ties in nicely with Nicholas. Often they might think, oh, it's the code, it's what we're doing. Essentially, sometimes you just need to look a little bit closer to home. It could be communication issues. It could be that there's a stretch on the team because, you know, you need it's, it's a niche project and you need a certain person to, to carry out that to carry out that particular task but I think in terms of obstacles and and things like that managers are the best person to deal with that as they are the people who are observing the team each and every day so to kind of conclude Sazad how do you feel the the replies to, to your question went yeah I think that they all make sense and uh, I totally agree with both Nicholas and Sebastian and especially Sebastian when you say it like uh, diagnosis is not only about like diagnosing and uh, diagnosing the team, but it's also like diagnosing the individuals, like each team member. Uh, what's their problem? What's their uh, strength? What their weakness? And then basically act accordingly to that. So uh, when one manager takes up a role in a new team, then I think it's uh, uh, it should be covered in in both ways, and also to understand like the the stage of the team where they are even though even though like the team can be at the performing stage but i think sometimes the problem can be uh, more than that like even though they are performing well maybe maybe they are not like open enough to taking opinion from different teams so basically different team has different sort of like you know uh, disease yeah in one word maybe this is it's, it's, a, it's a bad way to say that but it's kind of like you know um, we can uh, use the terminology as the doctor and like you know we diagnose as a disease and then we have to sort of like you know find a medicine for that so uh, that's actually uh, really interesting and i at the same time i think like adapting uh, accordingly uh, depending on the teams like you know the situation I would say like sometimes as a manager at the end of the day we are also like a we, we are a leader right so uh, we also need to sometimes take a role within the team if it, it is within our sort of like scope and so on. Uh, I have seen like you know some managers can be really hands-on so if there is like some hands-on help needed then definitely the manager can step in and then be a hands-on role maybe they need like some help in like uh, agile leadership taking like a scrum master role and so on so whatever basically the team is missing and then the, as a manager you can just adapt yourself and then uh, take over that role specifically even though it, you are not entitled to carry out that role particularly okay so you're the just with you saying there about you know kind of the manager taking a, a, a more of a hands-on role i suppose uh a question for you, Sazad, would be in terms of diagnosing a team and in terms of kind of analysing a team and overseeing a team, do you think the best way to observe a team is to be immersed within the team or to measure that on performance? Yeah, it can be done in both ways. And I think like it depends on how much time you have in your hand, right? But 
I mean, you can you cannot really just uh, rely on one source of information. You need to take information as many sources as you possibly can, and then you can talk with the stakeholders. You can talk with the individual team members. You can possibly talk with like uh, um, your managers, uh, your managers like who has probably observed the team in a, even a longer time. Uh, you can look at like their performance report like last year and so on. So you basically can sort of combine all the information and then you have to find like this, uh, how to say like the intersected uh, information that you have got from different source. And then you probably sort of like, you know, build up your own um, own understanding, your own sort of like theory based on like uh, different uh, uh, data that you have received from different sources. Okay, nice. Nicholas, what do you think about this? Would you prefer to be immersed within the team or would you prefer to kind of observe based on performance? Maybe it's it's obviously easiest to be in the team, but then you will affect the team and you will set the team to a different stage if you jump into the team. Uh, based on performance, uh, but it's also always perceived performance because it's so contextual. And I, I still haven't found anybody that can actually measure performance uh, in a team. Uh, it's pretty much, you know, given given the experience of the team, given the the organization and how it works, does this amount of work and what they're outputting make sense? Uh, pretty much, and it's very very much a gut feeling. Unfortunately, I wish I had a, a better way better way to put it or some really uh, nice formula for it, but. Uh, it's it's always something you have to to, to judge, and uh, I think it's also really important for as a as a manager to recognize that the team is always in a phase and it's cyclic. Uh, so it's it's never going to be okay. Now it's good and it's going to stay there, or now. But that you can see from the positive side, if it's bad, it's not going to stay there either. You know, it it is it is cyclic, and you you can help them and push them along. But as the organization change, as team members change, as the workload change. Uh, you know, the team's going to change. Absolutely, I completely agree. I think we can all agree that management is an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> Sebastian, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. Um, yeah, I don't know if I can add much more than give a little color on it in, in the way that like you can also talk to people individually uh, to get a like cross-examine, no, not really, but like get everyone's views and then compare them to each other. That's a good way to, to also bond with people, to um, let them be heard and listen to what they have to say and, and really like uh, dive in in that way. That's a, a third angle on the whole thing. Um, measuring just like automated numbers, like Nicholas said, is, you know, next to impossible, probably. Uh, completely impossible depending on who you ask um, but what you can do to to really check the performance is to have you know goals and follow up the goals uh, recurringly and set a level that you find is reasonable and see if the team and the individuals are hitting those goals and that's a, still a subjective way to measure it but at least you have something to go on because at the end of the day you want a team to uh, perform on a level that you, uh, if you're the leader of it, expects. There's no, like, uh, no one can come from the outside and say that they expect anything else with reason because they don't have enough insight. 
Yeah, okay. I think we've definitely touched on the major point that I wanted to get across was obviously all management styles are different, but essentially it's not all about performance, but it, you know, if you were to be immersed within the team, you are naturally going to upset the dynamic. You are naturally going to, people aren't going to act the same way because their manager is is heavily involved. Um, and I think it's just about really trying to find that balance, um, which leads us on nicely actually to Nicholas' question, which is what part of your leadership style would you not want to change no matter what the circumstance? Now, this question really stood out to me. Um, I think often you know people will sugarcoat things and say you know oh what would you do differently or you know what do you think are your best qualities as a manager I would really like to know what part of your management style you wouldn't want to change so I'm interested to hear about this Nicholas maybe you could just let us know a little bit more about the question yeah maybe this was a little bit formulated for maybe if you're joining a new company where it's a different culture uh, what you're used to and uh, your you need to the management style of that company is different from you know where you're coming from like what to what levels would you adapt to to that new management style what can you compromise with what don't you want to compromise with um but uh, i think it's but it's also easy you know uh, an easy question is in some way to answer if you're just looking at the obvious bad bad things and staying away from bad management but like if there are any more of the more nuanced management styles that you would not want to uh, do okay nice sebastian will come to you first what is what about your leadership style would you never want to change yeah to uh, connect to what uh, nicholas said i mean the, the most important thing to do to start out to, to answer this question uh, in a good way uh, is that you make sure that you when you're in the process with the company to connect to what nicholas said uh, is to ensure that they align with your core beliefs right uh, and even if they actually don't do it very well, they've at least stated it in the in the process, and you can hold them accountable to that. But yeah, it, it depends on where, like where you draw the line. It's, it's quite hard. It depends on maybe where you are in your career uh, early on. You might not really know, uh, and then you sort of discover it along the way. Um, what you find is important. But most successful companies today, I would say. Uh, ensures that they care about the individual or some uh, like that that's their stated goal and if they veer away from that then you can hold them accountable to that that's you know one of their values uh, that they've stated you know publicly and to you so that's a good way to to keep uh, keep uh, keep the boat <laughs> going in the in the right direction but i would guess that's my personal one after a uh, uh, a while of experience now that it's the it, it's about the people uh, you know uh, the company uh, has to make money and has to you know work well but uh, not at the expense maybe of people but in a collaboration with people so if you I find that, that that's a solid core value that can, can take you uh, quite far uh, and on the on the question you know uh, what part you should not uh, change no matter what as a general question you know you need to find out which ones are the ones that are important to you uh, and which ones basically 
that in your mind when you have your inner dialogue that you say, well, if this changes, you know, I want to look for a new company, you know, try to find those kind of situations and have that inner dialogue with yourself or a, a colleague that you trust. Yeah, I think something that ties in really nicely to what you just said there, Sebastian, was, um, you know, obviously I'm a recruiter. So every day I'm speaking to to you guys, you know, line managers, hiring managers, engineering managers. Um, but on the flip side of that, I'm also speaking to candidates every single day. Now, it's my core job to ensure that my candidates values are aligned with, you know, my clients values and values are something that's so important because it could genuinely make or break a connection within within a, a, a job role um you know i've got people who are maybe really passionate about kind of diversity and inclusion and i've got employers who necessarily aren't really that bothered about having a diverse workforce now this is something that obviously is is you know is essential really in a working environment to ensure smooth running to ensure personal growth and you know to be an inclusive company now if my clients values doesn't align with the, the the candidate that's obviously not a good match no matter how good essentially the cv is um so just with what you said there on values i really did want to highlight you know just especially for the listeners that is that is something that is hugely you know it's it's hugely thought of in in the hiring process and and from a manager's perspective i think um okay fantastic so I suppose, Sazad, what, what what's your take on this? Yeah, I think like um, nothing so so new to add here, but uh, I I think like every human has like their originality, right? So they have their own preferences, they have their own management style. Uh, so I don't think it's never gonna work that they have to change so much. So they will they would like to become a new person to join a new company. So it's always important to understand the cornerstones stones of like a company's uh, cultural values, uh, how sort of like, you know, like they value about the product development, how they value about their people, how they value about their customer preferences and so on. So that's sort of like things uh, is very important to understand beforehand, uh, before, before uh, joining a new team or new company. And then I think like, of course, like as a, as a manager, you always have to sort of adapt yourself. You have to change uh, to some scale, but not to that scale that you want to become a new person and that's not going to work. So uh, I think like uh, uh, at the end of the day, every company in the modern like you know IT industry, they have like some common sort of like, you know, uh, value areas that that probably is uh, sort of like universal for all the companies. Uh, other than that, every company has their own sort of like, you know, own uh, specialized areas. And that's something that every person should have to evaluate before uh, before they, they can embrace a new role and so on. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Sazad. You make some fantastic points there. I suppose then, Nicholas, to bring it back around to yourself, what do you think is what part of your leadership style would you would you not want to change? If we, I think if we go back to uh, when we're, I was talking about, you know, having these knobs and leverage turning turning them on and off and up and up and down, there may be some knobs that are some some use that I wouldn't want to add to my repertoire and uh, turn turn up. 
for instance, is it would be very hard for me. I don't think I would be successful in uh, trying to emulate a very enthusiastic and motivating, inspirational leadership style. Uh, that's not me. That's not, that's not that's not the way I lead. And I don't don't think that uh, that would would turn out well if I tur turned it up too much that way. But it's it's a, obviously a valid leadership style and uh, something you can use if you had if that's central to who you are. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that's obviously a vital part of this conversation is, you know, essentially just be true to who you are. I think when, you know, you, you kind of pose this question with the ideology in mind that you were kind of due to start with a new company and, you know, the, kind of the values that you would be taking with you. Um, but I think it's obviously really important to for the team to learn from you as well. Obviously, they're potentially going to progress into a managerial position and they could it, it's almost certain that they're going to take the good parts of your management styles and then implement them when they become a manager um, so I think it's really key for obviously managers to remember how influential they are on the team um, so I think in terms of in terms of management everybody's had good and bad experiences but it really is how you what you do with those experiences and and how you learn from them um, but we've had some fantastic points raised, um, but I think we'll leave it there for today. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank Sebastian, Sazad and Nicholas for providing their insights into the topic. And thank you for listening. And we will see you next time.